Father, we want to thank you. Lord, you once again invited us to open your word. And in this word we find life. All the waters around us, they are putrid, even toxic. We might drink of them, but we feel thirsty again. But this is a living water. And you have said that you will give us living waters, hence we ask you, give them unto us. You have said that this will satisfy your thirst. Hence we ask you, O Lord, that you would satisfy us. May we be completely satisfied with your word and not look for satisfaction elsewhere. Father, we are not ignorant of the devices of the devil. He is the master of counterfeit. He is the one who sows the tares among the wheat. And it is not apparent to our eyes what is tares and what is the genuine one. But your eyes see everything. Hence we pray that you will root out the tares in the name of Jesus. Father, that the wheat would bring forth a harvest that gladdens your heart in the name of Jesus. As many of us as have earplugs, spiritual earplugs, God, we pray that your, your word will right now pull out those plugs, giving us clarity in our hearing in Jesus' name. As many of us as have layers of fat preventing your word from entering our hearts, we pray that the fire of your word will burn down and melt that fat in the name of Jesus. God, that your word, which is profitable unto teaching, for rebuke, for correction and training in righteousness shall come forth in power this day in the name of Jesus. And Father, how silly would it be to go back the way that we came. The Word of God finds us and if it were to leave us in the place that it found us would not have profited. We want no such unprofitable word in our midst in Jesus' name. Father, when the word brings profit unto us, it is when we have made spiritual progress. Therefore, we pray that this year, when we climb that mountain, Lord, that you will lead us up in Jesus' name. There is no regression. There is only progression in your kingdom. We pray for your spirit to lead us all this day in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Refine your people who would stand apart and worship you in spirit and in truth. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. I want to talk about the father of faith, Abraham, to you this day. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11? Which might not be the central text for the day. However, it profits us to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 onwards. 
Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place, which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Verse 15. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from where they came out, they might have had an opportunity to have returned. But now, they desire a better country. That is an heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. And that's the central text for the day. Genesis 12. And I'll quickly read from verse 1 unto 9. Genesis 11, we'll start from 27 onwards. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of the nativity, in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. And the name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, and the father of Milcah, and the father of Ishtar. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran, and they dwelt there. And the days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah lived in Haran. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make, thee, make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substances that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, unto the plain of Moreh, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain and in the east of Bethel, and, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. Let's bow once again in prayer. Father, we've looked at your word. 
We pray that your word will profit us this day, O Lord God. Even as we have seen over the past few weeks, you've been speaking unto us about pleasing you. God, of our own strength, we possess nothing to please you. We are but sinful flesh, O Lord God. But as the Spirit of God helps us, and as the living Savior dwells with us and in us, God, we pray that you will give us this grace to make amends and to move on and to appear before you on that glorious day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The background of the calling of Abraham was the Tower of Babel. God had called the people right from Noah onwards to have a consecrated life. Noah, along with his wife and his sons and three daughters-in-law, they got into the ark. And then there was this flood that swept away the others. Keep this in the background. From there, ten generations, and Abram is called. What happened before that was Adam disobeyed. Cain murdered. There was a lot of iniquity that happened in chapters 5 and 6. The flood. Noah got drunk. Noah was there in nudity. There was curse. And then there was the Tower of Babel, wherein man decided to make a name for himself. Sounds pretty much like the 21st century. Murder, disobedience, deception, idol worship, making a name for self. From that midst, God calls one man. God calls Abram and he says, I will bless you. The background of, of Abram was not that he was a caveman. He was not a caveman. He was a civilized person. I want to tell you, Abram had everything, but the, he had an emptiness within him. Now you might ask, where do you get that? Think about this. Abram had everything, but the word of the Lord came unto Abram, and the Bible says, he departed. There is a God-sized emptiness in you and I, which only God can fill. You might have all the riches of this world. Abram was empty within. The call came unto Abram, and Abram left. Now, that was a half-hearted obedience. Before that, I want to tell you, God calls ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God called an ordinary, idolatrous person to do an extraordinary thing, that is, to divide the world into believers and unbelievers. There are only two classes of people, brethren. Believers and unbelievers. Abram believed. And the book of Galatians says that everyone who believes comes from Abram. Therefore, Abram was called to believe. And he believed God. Now the, the command of God is always accompanied by a promise. 
the command of god is accompanied by a promise and not by reason if there if god starts giving a reason for all his commands you and i we are very reasonable people correct you and i would start reasoning with god god never gives a reason the reason is hidden it is hidden in the promise therefore if god says that believe in the lord jesus that's the command then the promise is and you shall be saved act 16 and verse 31 if god says leave everything leave your father your mother your house and your land and come follow me and you shall have treasures in heaven you shall have a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come you shall have great riches eternal life if that is the command then there is also a promise but there is a price that we need to pay genesis chapter 11 says that sarai was barren now that's that's quite important god had given a promise and he said in chapter 12 and verse 1 now the book of acts says that this call came unto abram when he was in mesopotamia and not in haran therefore we need to find we need to understand that this call is before he came to haran now what is the the response to the call that abraham received what's the response to the call that you and i received when god invited you into a relationship with him what was your response the response involves sacrifice obedience leads to sacrifice leads to discovery leads to delight abraham's obedience it led to sacrifice what did he sacrifice he sacrificed everything that represents security unto him everything that represented security abraham had to give up this is why i say there was an emptiness in him he was he he was a rich man but then he had to give up everything venturing in faith means that you give up everything that you're leaning on and you lean only upon god that's venturing in faith when the small children learn to swim i don't know if you've noticed this they they stand at the shallow end of the pool and they will be looking as if they are wading the test of faith comes when you move them to the deep end of the pool abraham's test of faith in every chapter of the bible which deals with abraham you find that there was a test of faith genesis chapter 12 there was a test of faith he went to egypt genesis chapter 13 there was a test of faith lot separated genesis chapter 14 there was a test of faith there was a kidnapping of of lot and so on and so forth tests of faith charles spurgeon says that faith is the storm that roots your faith sorry testing is the storm that roots your faith this response was a separation and separation involves sacrifice everything that represented security you have to give up if you want to follow god the natural tendency is to connect 
and not disconnect. God wants to separate us. We want to connect. Look at the Tower of Babel. Come together. Let us make a name for ourselves. Look at Abraham. Come ye apart. Look at the Tower of Babel. Let's make something for ourselves. Abraham said, God said, I will make a name for you. I will make your name great. We heard our pastor say last week that Jesus says, I will spew you out of my mouth if you are lukewarm. You know what that means? It means that Jesus is looking in your eye and he's saying, I wish you had the guts to remain an unbeliever. I wish you had the guts to remain an unbeliever. That would make you cold. I wish you had the guts to call yourself a believer. That would make you hot. You are neither here nor there. You are in both worlds. I will spew you out of my mouth. God calls into a life of separation. But we are calling into a life of unison. We can't leave that old company, can we? That old company is, is keeping us together. I need to please my boss. What are you doing in that company, Christian? What are you doing among those people? Where is the separation? When God said that I am going to bring plagues upon Egypt, He said that in Goshen, this plague will not be there because that is a separated people. And He says, I will make a distinction between the people of Egypt and my people. Is that distinction available in your life and mine today? Do we look more like the world? Can the world identify themselves with us? There's a danger in the church today, 21st century church. The world is coming in. God said, go into the world. God did not say, bring the world into the church. Today, many Christians are bringing the world into the church. Where do we stand with God? Where's our commitment? One thing that Abraham had was commitment. We, you and I, we lack commitment. Separation is twofold. There is a come out and there is a get in. God told Abraham, come out of that land. He said, get into the land that I will show you. There are many people who come out of bad habits. They come out of bad association, but they do not get in. The primary reason why Peter denied the Lord Jesus was not that he was afraid of those people. Otherwise, he would not have lifted up the sword and cut the ear of Malchus. You know the prime reason why Peter denied Jesus? It was the cross. And even today, the cross is a shame. Paul said, I bear the mark of Christ on my body. You and I will say, we bear the mark of Christ on our soul. Nobody can see your soul. Do you bear the mark of Christ on your body? Why do you dress up the way that you dress? Why do you talk the language that you talk? Why do you keep the company that you keep? Why are you associated in those social networks? Oh, brother, I need these to survive. Abram lived in tents. We'll come to that shortly. But separation, obedience leads you to separation. And we don't find separation in our churches. Nowadays we find it so difficult to be separated. We want to be united. We become too ecumenical. 
forgive me for saying this but we are too ecumenical i want those christians next door god says be separate it is my good deeds that will lead me to heaven but i tell you your good deeds are like filthy rags for example if i li- if i were to serve you the best cake but in a dirty cup our best good deeds they don't take us to heaven it is separation last time i spoke this message i could not finish it i used a phrase which must have uh, struck the wrong chord or you must not have understood i said unless you look like jesus you will not get into heaven let me explain that the bible says that nothing wicked shall get into heaven yes yes nothing wicked shall get into heaven now if there is nothing wicked in you who do you look like sorry is it clear now brethren you and i will not get to heaven unless we look like jesus how much ever we have gone to church how much ever we have fasted how much ever we have prayed how much ever we have been in the ministry the lord jesus says there are two ways i come from a hindu background wherein you try to evangelize people they say all the ways lead to the same place correct you've heard that before you've heard that before how many of you have heard that before all ways lead to the same place there are two ways says jesus only two the broad and there are two gates the wide and the straight gate you know what the straight gate the straight gate has a has a provision for you to carry no baggages that means that you have to go there alone isaiah chapter 51 says i called abraham alone separation obedience leads to separation and this is why many people don't come to christ they are afraid of separation because they like the ecumenicalism they like to be i am half time in the catholic church i am half time here i've got nothing against catholic brethren please don't please don't misunderstand me but i'm telling you unless you have a relationship with the father you will be bored in heaven and since god knows you will be bored in heaven he will cut you off the misery separation let's not have one leg here one leg there thinking that on the deathbed we will say lord forgive me my sins it will be like that that parable that the lord jesus said the five virgins they were sleeping they had an opportunity to meet the bridegroom yes or no did they have an opportunity to meet the bridegroom they did right and they were invited to meet the bridegroom correct they were chosen they were the chosen to meet the bridegroom but what happened they became complacent we become complacent in our calling the lord is far away peter says god is not slack concerning his promises where is the separation where is living like abraham and then it comes to separation leads to discovery 
Separation leads to discovery. What did Abraham discover? Abraham discovered what it means to walk by faith. Nothing else could have taught that child to swim other than pushing him from the three feet to the twelve feet. Nothing will teach you and I to walk by faith unless we stand in separation and lean on God alone. The psalmist said, Who I have in heaven but you, O Lord God. There's nothing else on earth I desire but you, O Lord God. My heart and my strength, many times they fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Can we say that with the, with the psalmist? God, you are my portion. You and my neighbor are my portion. You and my job are my portion. It led to discovery. What discovery was it? Abraham obeyed. But Abraham discovered that you should be careful who you take on your spiritual pilgrimage. God had said, separate yourself from from your father's house. But who went with Abram? Lot and Terah. Both of them caused delays. Christian, it becomes you to be careful who you take with you on your pilgrimage. Don't be too ecumenical. You know, misquoting the scriptures, one of the misquoted scriptures is, to the poor I became poor. You've heard that? To the Jew I became like a Jew. To the drunkard I became like a drunkard. So that by, you've heard that before? Maintain your purity, brethren. Unless you maintain your purity, we are not going to heaven. Why do you meet certain standards? There is a line that is drawn that a Christian will not tow it. Joseph said that I will not lie with you, Mrs. Protifar, not because I cannot, but because I will not. I will not keep certain companies, not because I cannot, but because I will not. Paul said, all things are permissible unto me. But not all things edify. All things are permissible for me, but I will not be brought subject under any. Put those two verses together and it says that all things are permissible unto me, even if they profit, I will not be brought subject under it. Even profitable things can rule you. Even things that profit can rule you. A commentator was saying that money is supposed to be a slave. How deplorable is the condition of a man who becomes a slave to a slave. Therefore Jesus says that you cannot serve two masters. First John chapter 2 says that the love for the world and the love of the Father. Love for the world, you are taking the initiative. Love of the Father, he is taking the initiative. The Bible says that if you have love for the world, then the love of the Father does not dwell in you. Separation. I have called you apart. I have called you to depart. I have asked you to come in. And most of us don't understand what Jesus means by when he says that you are the salt. We think that salt preserves. Yes, it does. We think that Salt adds taste. Yes, it does. 
you know something else that the salt does salt irritates when was the last time you irritated an unbeliever the wound that you have is raw Christ sprinkling some salt into it the wickedness of the world is raw wound in the sight of god you are the salt of the earth go ahead irritate that is why you find that unbelievers run away from you if you are truly irritable the first psalm it does not begin with a positive note the first psalm says do not do not do not but we are to we need everyone we need everyone bible says separate and abram he departed what else did he discover he discovered interestingly Interestingly you find that he does not hear the voice of God when he was in Haran God's voice you will not hear unless you come to the place where he has told you to be you will not hear God's voice number 2 God will not give you a new instruction until you have followed the first one God said unto Abraham come come to the land that I will show you when he came to Haran because his father stopped there his father parked the donkey wagon over there and he stayed there for more than 60 years 60 years abraham did not hear the voice of god he should have understood that this is not the place that i should be in he should have gone across the euphrates it was after that he got into euphrates in chapter 12 and verse 7 the bible says then the voice of the lord came unto him christian god will not speak to you unless you have finished obeying the first commandment lord speak unto me the lord will say for what use I spoken to you last time what did you do with that well lord it was so difficult leave and cleave oh, lord that is not good my parents are old how can i leave and cleave leave and cleave i'm not saying put them in the old age home have a distinct separation you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your mind all your strength the bible says so clearly again and again the history of israelites is that they disobeyed went into captivity either it will be some midianites or some some person who will oppress them then god will deliver them again and again again and again we find that this is the history of the israelites still they did not learn because even in deuteronomy the the lord says that if you will not hearken unto my voice if you will not obey my commandments then you will be oppressed and then from there if you cry out i will hear you that's our gracious god but we are too weak to even cry out because we've become complacent we've become complacent that separation is not an easy thing you thought new testament is easy in fact new testament is even more difficult than the old testament old testament would have been easy at least you have you have some kind of a, a relief when you kill that goat new testament is so difficult that god raised the standard he said that if the bible says that you shall not commit adultery physically but the new testament jesus says if 
you look lustfully at a woman, you've already committed adultery. And then he goes on to say, if your eye causes you to sin, how do you lust with your, uh, how do you lust, is it not with your eyes? Jesus says, if your eye causes you to sin, what should you do? Wear glasses? Gorge it out. Separation. It is better for you. Why are we doing the things that we are doing? Two responses. Broadway, narrow way. The Broadway is being man-pleasers. Narrow way is being God-pleasers. And I also want to please man. The Hebrew boys, they wanted to please God. They said that we are not careful for this thing, okay. That means that I don't have to think twice about my response. I'm not going to even care about it. This is my God and I will worship Him alone. Do you know where, who owns the things of this world? The Bible says that one of the temptations of the Lord Jesus was that Satan came unto him and he said that he showed all the world and its glories and said that I will give this to you. Now, can somebody give something that is not his? Therefore, the world and all its glories belongs to who? Come on now, it's hitting home. Sorry? It belongs to Satan. You are not of this world. It's the new Jerusalem that you will rule. And we are trying to rule this earth. We are to live separate. God gives us possessions. See, if you want the wealth of Abraham, you should have the attitude of Abraham. If you want the wealth of Job, now you might be arguing Christians should live poor. I didn't say that. It's better you be poor because it's more difficult to handle success than defeat. Solomon had a lot of success and we need to wait to see if he'll be in heaven. It's more difficult to handle success than defeat. It is better for you to be poor than to be rich because it is the cares for the riches that choked the seed. The second type of soil. It fell among shallow ground and since it was rocky, it did not come up. Why? Because there was something underneath. The third type of soil, there was thorns and thistles. It choked the life out of the good seed. The seed wasn't bad, brethren. It was what you allow, what that soil allowed to be in there. Whose responsibility was it? It was the soil's responsibility to make sure that the thorns will not grow. But he wanted the thorns and also the seed. Lukewarm, spew you out. So what happens over here? Abraham learned to trust in God. The voice did not come unto him in Haran. Then he started moving with all that he had. Now, the question is, the Bible says that he took everything with him. Now you might ask, why did he take everything with him? If the Bible says that he took all, he took Lot, Sarai, his wife, and all the possessions he had. Let's read that. Maybe you haven't focused over there. Let's, let's read verse 5 of chapter 12 in Genesis. And Abram took Sarai, his wife. That's very comforting. And Lot, his brother's son. 
and all their substances that they had gathered. That means that he came out naked from Ur, but he collected something in Haran. And the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth into the land. Now you might ask the question, if a man was venturing in faith, wouldn't it be wise to go and scout the region first? Let's go and scout the region. This is just like people who are going for immigration. Let me go to Canada, get my visa stamped. And then, if there is a job, I will take my family. Abraham was not like that. He said, come all of you. There are three reasons, at least, I see in why he took all those. Number one, if he had left that behind, it would be a pull for him to go back. There are some bridges that a Christian should burn. Have you burned those bridges today? Number two, it takes more faith to take 500 people with you and to impart unto them faith and to tell them that the Lord that spoke to me will also feed you in this new land. It takes more faith to take more people with you and impart faith unto them. Number three, he stood as a witness. If he had gone alone, what would the people say? This man does not really have faith. He wants to come back. Or this man does not have faith. He's left something back. For at least three reasons, he took everything that he had with him. When was the last time you burnt some bridges? Jesus becomes a shining addition to our existing life. Did you hear that? Jesus becomes a shining addition to our existing life. Jesus wants to be number one on a list of one, not on a list of ten. Paul says, all things I have counted as loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6 says that, and God who called light out of darkness has shined the light into our hearts and given us the knowledge of the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. I don't know if Jesus is supreme in your life. I hope he is. Because he is infinitely of more value. First Peter Peter says that you have been you have been redeemed not by corruptible things. And what are these corruptible things? Those things that we wear on our ears and round our neck and other visible parts of our body which glitters. God says you have not been redeemed by any of these. That means that a pile of these should be considered as junk for the excellency of what? Just knowing God. Not even savoring Him. How can you love someone that you don't know? How do you like your child to come unto you only when you have a need? And after that, Forget even your second name. God says, What more can I do to you, O faithless Israel? He gave a very graphic picture in the marriage of Gomer unto Hosea the prophet. He gave a very graphic picture. I think you should read your Bible with emotion. 
gave a very graphic picture when he said that i was passing through the field and i saw you like a newborn baby your after birth was with you your umbilical cord had just been severed and i washed you with water i made you grow up and then later on i passed through the field i saw you a beautiful virgin i married you and lo israel you've become despicable even prostitutes they get paid for their for their atrocities but you are worse than a prostitute you pay others to lie with you the book of ezekiel chapter 16 would god say that of our church in the 21st century what did i not bless you with romans 8:32 he who gave jesus christ will he not with him give us all things but those all things have now removed jesus from the seat it is those all things that we need what did he not do for you church what more could i have done unto you o faithless israel abraham discovered what it means to lean on god alone it takes faith to bring 500 people from haran or how much ever it is it takes faith and then he goes into canaan and there the voice of the lord comes unto him and now it becomes now what is the result of the of the response first is the call of abraham that means the 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 receipt of the call reception of the call second is the response to the call third is the result of the response what was the result of the response the result of the response are twofold one is commitment second is communion god gave and committed himself again till that time god had said i to the land that i will show you now he is standing on this land and he is saying that this is the land that i will give you do you know 60 years later abraham did not even possess as much as uh, as as much land as he would have been promised but he owned only one cave to bury his wife 60 years later when sarah was 127 years old God's promises are true but they come in his time God has committed himself to it but we when they de- when there is a delay like Saul we give the sacrifice and we tell Samuel because I saw that you did not come in time I sacrificed and Samuel says as my garment has rent so shall the Lord take away the kingdom from you we are not ready to wait let's wait let's wait for that glorious promise let's wait for that riches in heaven let's wait for what god has to give us we want to accumulate wealth of our own there was a rich man who was dying and somebody asked him how much are you leaving behind and he said everything there's a story of this rich man and the and the poor man who were who both died and there was this man who was commenting and he said that the rich man he left behind everything but the poor man he is going unto his everything are you going unto your everything see treasures in heaven we don't we don't really comprehend what treasures in heaven is we think that it is gold that's not gold something infinitely more precious You know what gold is right in heaven 
Gold is like the tar. How many of you would like to wear tar around your neck? And we think that God will make a crown of gold and put it on our head. You think that he will take the same material with which the streets of heaven are made and put it on your head and say that, wow, I respect you, I, I really am going to honor you. We think that is going to be gold. It's going to be something more precious. Paul says that neither eye has seen nor ear has heard nor heart has perceived what God has in store for them that love him. Let's get our concepts broadened. What Abraham was no fool. Hebrews chapter 8 says Abraham was no fool. He lived in tents. What was the second result of the response? Second result of the response was communion with God. Abraham had communion with God. I don't know if you understand this. I don't know if you are excited about this. This means the presence of God. This means having God with you when you go to your office. Having God with you when you are washing your dishes. The presence of God. And this was demonstrated by the altar that he built. The Bible says that an Abraham went and he built an altar. He went here, he built another altar. So when the Canaanites saw, they saw a poor old tent and they saw an altar. And they knew that this is the address of Abraham. Let me ask you, if the Canaanites were to come into your house today, what would they find? Would they find an altar? When the Canaanites were looking for the address of Abraham, they knew somebody would have said, one of the Canaanites would have said, Oh, Abraham, I know him. You just need to go wherever you find an altar and a tent. That is his house. And he pitched tent. At the old age, he was called at 75. He died at 175 for 100 years. For one century, he lived in tents. And not alone. He lived with Isaac and with Jacob. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9. They were also heirs of the promise. Who is living with you in your tent? Unholy associations? Or holy associations? These people who were heirs along with Abram, they did not bother to live in, to build houses. Lot bothered to build a house. And you know what happened. Lot once went to Egypt and after coming back, he stood on the mountain of Bethel and he saw down that it was the plains of Zoar were like the gardens of Egypt. And he said, let us go down there. And he said, I will take that plain. Lord Abraham said, go ahead. I will not contend with you. And he goes there. And what happens? He loses his possession. He loses his wife. He loses his children. And he gets into an incestual relationship. The Bible says that the end of this man was horrible. How will you end your life? Christian, how are you going to end your life? You finish, will you finish strong? Abraham finished strong. His cold body was taken out of his tent to be buried near his beloved wife in the cave of Machpelah. That even then he had not possessed his land. All he had was six feet by three feet. And all you and I will have in this world is six by three. We will not have more than that. And even on that glorious day, that six by three will be not enough to hold us down. Amen. That six by three will not be enough to hold us down. The grave that could not keep the king, the grave that could not keep the king of kings will not be able to hold you and I. 
I don't know if you are excited about the next life. Abraham was excited about the next life. I want you to get excited about the next life. He said that though he lived in tents, he looked for a city that had foundations. That means that he was holding on to the things of this life with a loose hand and he was holding on to the things of the next life with a tight hand. What will pass away? is to be held with a very, very loose grip. Some of us are fighting tooth and nail to hold on to that which will perish. Let's be careful what we are packing with us. Abraham pitched tents, but he built altars. His tent moved, but his altars stood there as a testimony that a man of God was here. You are among the Canaanites. Hebrews, Genesis chapter 12, verse 6. It says that, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Verse 5, I think. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Verse 6. The Canaanites are there in this land. Let me ask you, have you witnessed to the Canaanites with your altar and your tent. He looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. Are you looking for that city? Let's pitch tents and let's build altars. He shared communion with God. He shared fellowship with God. I don't know what we are sharing, but Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 15 says that if they had an opportunity to look back, they would have gone but they did not look back. What are you holding on to? Now how did Abraham, one last point before I close, how did Abraham get rid of his desire for the things of the world and how can you and I get rid of it? There's only one way, worship. Worship. I'm not talking about singing songs. I'm talking about the same response that Isaiah had when he saw the living Lord. Did you know that Isaiah was ministering till chapter 6? Isaiah was a minister of God till chapter 6, but in chapter 6 he saw, the, he saw the Lord and then he fell down on his face. You and I may be Christians for 10, 12, 15, how many ever years, but once you have the risen Lord in front of you, there is only one appropriate response. Lord, you are on the throne, I am on my face. Abraham was always on his face when God appeared to him. Worship God. That brings meaning to your life and mine. There is, everything is meaningless. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. But there is only one thing that brings meaning to your life and mine. That's to lie down, bow before him, worship him. Leave around those things that are temporal. The Bible says that the things which are seen are temporal, but the things unseen are eternal. Are we living for heaven? Are we living for heaven? Or are we living like man pleasers? Let me ask you, for the past two weeks, this word has been coming unto us, pleasing God, pleasing God, pleasing God. Have you gone back home, taken a piece of paper, and have written down, this is my resolution for 2011. 
Or do we come week after week after week after week hearing the word of God and going back the same? What's your response in 2011? The acceptable time is now, says the Bible. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 1 says that he who has often been reproved but yet hardens his heart, hardens his neck, says the Bible, then it shall be suddenly broken. What are you doing with the message that you receive? The word of God came unto me and I ate it. Are you eating the word of God? What are you doing? Don't get too ecumenical. Don't try to hold that which God himself wants to separate. The Bible says that the world is going from iniquity unto iniquity. You cannot hold it back. But we are praying, just like Abraham had power with God, we have power with God. We intercede and we say, for the sake of the righteous, do not destroy the unrighteous. And then he goes on to say, for the sake of the city, do not destroy the unrighteous. But there will come a day when God will take away all the tears. Are we ready for that? Let's bow our hearts and pray. The altars represented self-sacrifice and worship. The altar demonstrated a life of separation and detachment. The altar represented a place where every idol was crushed, where some part of the self-life was sacrificed. Beloved, in God's holy love and in His mercy towards us, maybe He Himself will take the knife and cut that burden down. And when God wants to separate, please do not try to unite. Let us commit ourselves into God's hand. The word has come to us on separation. We have to come out from the world and come on to God. And there are things in our lives that are still of the world. Does the devil find his property with us that will make him to come to run riots in our lives, to devastate our lives? We need to come out to separate. This is the time for us to look at our lives. What are those things that are in our lives that ought not to be? Separate ourselves. God has said this is the year of outstanding blessings. We don't want to miss it. And that means we have to stand out of the crowd. If we want to get these blessings, we have to stand out. We have to come out of the world. The Bible is our guide. It's not what we see around in the name of Christianity that is our guide. The Bible is our guide. Many can call themselves Christians and they do what they do. That is not our guide. 
The word of God is the judge at the end. It's what is going to separate the sheep from the goat. It's not the standard of men. It is the word. Let us commit ourselves into God's hand and ask for his mercy and his grace to be fully separated so that that which he wants to do in our lives and through our lives will not be hindered. In Jesus' name we pray. Our God in heaven, we want to thank you for this word. Lord, indeed, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword that will separate the soul and the spirit. And Lord, we are praying, O God, that this word will separate us from everything that will hinder us from entering into heaven at last, in Jesus' name. Lord, our reasoning, our wisdom, our understanding may not be able to identify them. But Lord, we are praying that this word that has come forth, let it expose all those garbage that are within us, that will hinder us on the last day. Father, we pray, cause this word to be a fire that will burn them out of our lives this day in Jesus' name. Father, the grace to come out completely and be totally separated unto you, so that, Lord, you will be able to use us and take us home at last. Father, we are asking that grace let it be multiplied upon each and every one of us here this day in Jesus' name. Father, of a truth of our own self, we are not sufficient. Father, we depend upon your grace. We pray let that grace be sufficient for us in Jesus' name. Father, as we are living this place, O God, by the help of the Holy Ghost, let decisions be made in our lives. Let decisions be made in our hearts that we are not going to live like the others because you have purchased us with a price, the price of the blood of your Son. Lord, we will live separate. We will come out of evil. And Lord, we will be received by you as our Father. And Lord, we know you will bless us and do us good. You are taking us to a land flowing with milk and honey. And Lord, we pray, let nothing hinder us in Jesus' name. Father, we are praying every deceit that awaits us, every cunning craftiness of men. Father, we ask, O oh God, that will not have power over our lives in Jesus' name. Father, we will set our face like a flame. We will come out, we will serve you alone. And you alone will be our idol in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to thank you for your servant that you have used. Lord, more of your grace, more of your anointing, more revelation. Bestow upon him mightily in Jesus' name. 
Lord, we pray for his ministry. Father, you will use him as a sharp threshing instrument. Lord, to destroy the works of darkness in the land, in Jesus' name. Blessed be your holy name. Father, as we go this afternoon, let your power go with us. Let your peace go with us. Father, send us forth in mighty triumph and victory in Jesus' name. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's rise up as we share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.